Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everyone and thanks so much for tuning in to episode 92 of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka Gigpod. I'm Stevie and today I'm joined by Rizzo as we compose ourselves after yesterday's chaotic end to the match with Dundee United at Celtic Park. Our Celtic ran out 1-0 winners and find ourselves only two points behind Rangers getting into Wednesday's game. Rizzo, me and you were out after the game yesterday, we were emphatic down in those pints. Have you recovered and are you ready to be professional on this show? Hey, hi, everybody. Yes, I have recovered and, of course, I'm always ready to prof- be professional, if I can talk properly. <laughs> be professional as usual, yes. It was a, a very exciting end uh, to the game. I just have to also say, I don't think you know this, John, and 
I have a public apology to make to friend of the show, Lewis, who was out with us last night. But when you left, I spilled a pint all over him. Unbelievable. Hopefully he accepted the apology. He did, and I uh, gave him like half a my pint after it to try and make up for it. But he left like five minutes after it, and I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> and also as well, John, yourself and Lewis watched 67 Hail Hail being recorded live. It was a momentous occasion, just... A privilege to see the magic cam. No, everybody, um, well, you've been waiting for GigPod coming out. At 67 Hail Hail has been live now for almost 24 hours. We recorded 20 minutes after the final whistle. Honestly, I could hardly gather my thoughts after that game yesterday. Completely lost the run of myself when we scored that goal. If you watch that video and you see me uh, slabbing in a lot of nonsense, you'll probably say what's new. But also, thank you for tuning in uh, and we appreciate anybody who watches us on the channel. So, John, we're back on GigPod and getting into yesterday's game. We were already buoyed by the news that Ross County took a point against Rangers. Did you see or did you hear? any of the sort of drama at the Celtic way getting into the game because when I was getting in I think it must have been like a supporters bus or behind us but about 20 guys just went mental and then everybody around about like the 101, 102 area around about 20, 25 past 2 just went euphoric so they did and you could tell that Ross County had scored and I think the team would have got that news as well and getting into that game they would have been really really buzzing to uh, put pressure on the Rangers like I mean, already that mob are under severe pressure already by their own fans, but we could have piled it on as well. And what was your thoughts going into the game? Well, it was weird because I got off the bus just as the game was finishing and I heard like one person say, what's the score? And I went, oh, I think it was three each, but there wasn't really like much celebrating then. I think uh, it was mostly just, we better just go on with it and make sure we win. And as you say, the players, I think, would have known. They probably, like, they would have known at Celtic Park when people were cheering and as you said, you would have hoped that that would have galvanised the players to like go and put on a great performance, but it didn't really happen. But no, I mean, obviously it was a boost. I, I didn't expect it. I was a bit surprised when I saw the Rangers were getting beat two and a half time, and then when I saw that they took the lead, I thought, oh, well, they'll probably see it. So no, that was a that was a nice bonus, but we don't want to make it the Rangers' blue podcast. We want to uh, talk about Celtic. So aye, it was a, a good bonus for us, but we didn't play like that, weirdly enough. The first thing that came into my head was when that result um, was confirmed and it was 3-3, I was thinking this season could be defined by injury time goals at Dingwall. Now, of course, we have to beat that more on Wednesday to go top, but the way it's looking, when Anthony Ralston scored in the last minute in December up there, and then when Wright scored yesterday for Ross County, like how mad would it be, John, if it was Dingwall that decided the season with the two crucial goals? You know, within a month for each other. Not just that, but we've been reduced to 10 men twice and twice we've won the game up at Dingwall and yesterday. So that's four points we've got out of nowhere that I don't think people would have expected. So no, that is weird. Like, I think Rangers have conceded something like seven goals to Ross County this season, which is bizarre. Ross County don't strike me as a great team. Like, Maybe they're sort of similar to a team like Livingston, although the Rangers, I think, have got a better record against Ross County than we have against Livingston, a team that just gives like, teams problems sometimes. So, no, it was a, a a real bonus that we had the chance to cut the gap to two points ahead of the Derby on Wednesday. When the team was announced, did you groan at all, or were there any changes to the team that you thought, oh, good on Ange? No, I did groan, I thought they were... Uh, wrong changes and I think Ange realised that as well after 45 minutes he 
should not have dropped Juranovic, who had played the best he's played all season, in my opinion, at Tynecastle uh, against Hearts. He was fantastic. He shouldn't have been dropped. I know people going on about Greg Taylor, but if I wanted consistency in the team, I would have played Greg Taylor for the start. And I can see why he rested Jota, but that was a mistake. What I thought he would have done was maybe play him for the first 60, 65 minutes, get the game won, which is the reverse of what happened. So, no, I thought it was a, a bad team selection for Anjan. I think we sort of get away with one in the end. What do you think of that? I was actually crying out for Liam Scales, if I'm honest with you, John. Um, and that's, again, I want to keep reiterating the fact that I, it's not that I don't like Greg Taylor, and I know that the manager rates him. I'm sick of always banging on about that, but it's just, I think with Liam Scales, it's more of a physical presence, John. And I noticed in the first half, Liam Scales was playing the inverted fullback role, and he was really comfortable there. Now, Greg Taylor, when I've watched him, like moving inside, positionally, he's not so great. Whereas Liam Scales looked really comfortable when he was in the middle and then alternating out wide. And, you know, it's just a shame that we weren't a threat in the last third down the left-hand side. And I think, John, a lot of that was down to James Forrest. I was surprised that Forrest was included because against Hibs, I thought he was poor. Against Hearts at Tynecastle, he uh, was a worse performer, I felt. And today, I don't want to use last chance saloon because a lot of it with Forrest, I think he just needs a goal and he needs a break, something to come off for him. Uh, and we could have got that yesterday with the ball that he put in for O'Reilly, who missed. That goes in and it's all different. Forrest gets the assist and you know his confidence is up, but nothing's coming off for him now. And I just feel, John, that the more James Forrest is in that team, he's just, we're no clinical or emphatic enough, I feel. Um, so that was my main one. I really wanted to see Jota. I wanted to see Abada as on the wings. Uh, GG through the middle. Felt if we got a goal in the first twenty minutes, if they were playing, it would have been a completely different match, and we could have you know rested players as well and had one eye on Wednesday. But nevertheless, we did it the hard way. But if you're asking me, yep, James Forrest was the the one that I was groaning at. But if I can just talk quickly about James Forrest, John. Do you reckon he's got a you know long term future at Celtic under Ange? He's still under contract until I think next May, but do you reckon we'll try and move him on in the summer? I think he's. I don't. I don't know. Basically, I'm not sure. We'll need to see what happens in the next year, because the last eighteen months, let's say, he's, they've been ruined by injury for him. He's had some really bad injury problems, and he's still only relatively young. I mean. He's, I know wingers have always got the longest careers, but if he can keep back, he's still back in another couple of years. But I'm I'm not sure really. It'd be a pity if he just sort of, if he just sort of left like at the end of next season, like giving a free transfer. When you look at the amount of trophies he's won for Celtic, countless trophies, he's been one of our most successful players ever, and he was a very good player for us. He was he won Player of the Year. He had a couple of great seasons for us, but injuries have really caught up with him. I'm not really sure what Celtic will do. I'd imagine he'd probably stay, maybe get a, a one one year deal, maybe a two year deal at most. But if he doesn't feature like over the next eighteen months, let's say, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up leaving. And if you look at the his rivals on the wing, Jota and Lula Bada, they're contributing far more. I mean, okay, they've played more games, but they're much more of a goal threat and creating chances and. Forrest just isn't at it now. Of course, he did create that great chance for O'Reilly yesterday, who missed an absolute sell. So he's still got it in his locker, but he just didn't seem to be the player he used to be. And I 
it's an unbelievable thing, but I wouldn't be shocked if next season was the last season at Celtic and he didn't get another contract. And if we're looking to build like a younger team, there's probably still a place for him at Celtic, but he's if everybody was fit and we didn't have these injury and international game problems, he wouldn't be on my team. When it comes to James Forrest, do you reckon he has a big character in the dressing room and it's his experience as well that helps? I think it's more his pedigree as a player, more than anything, rather than what he brings like in the dressing room. The fact that he's been a Celtic mainstay since I think he was about 19 or 20, if you think about it, the first season that he was a regular on the team was Neil Lennon's first season as Celtic manager. And that was like 2010, that was 12 years ago. So I think that's the reason why he's like still getting a chance off uh, Ange. I'm just looking here. He's won like one, two, three, four, five, six. He's won nine titles with us. And he won, he's won countless League Cups and Scottish Cups. So, and I mean, it was only three seasons ago he won playing a year. So, his injuries have cost him more than anything. I feel bad, really, for him because. I mean, if he if he was fit and had been playing well, he'd be in the team. He'd be a big player for Scotland, even. And if you if you think about how he's done well for Scotland, he'd be a big player in that uh, playoff next month and you know, on in March. So I think it's more of what he's done in the past than like if he's a big character. It's a bit different with somebody like Neil Beaton when he's like a sort of a utility player that can play in so many positions. Managers always love that, and like even though he's always got a tendency to do something dafty, he can make up for it with a run of games. It's a different for a winger. And it's more how well Forrest has done for Celtic. That's why Ange, I think, will always like give him a chance. But I think I think he might be on the bench on Wednesday. And just when I look at season nineteen twenty, you know, before the lockdown and everything and before his terrible injury, forty seven games, sixteen goals, twenty two assists. So you look at those stats and they are impressive, but it's when you start talking about a player about what he did in the past compared to what he's doing for us now, that's when it starts becoming you know, a bit of a problem, doesn't it? We've been there before, John. Like, look at Scott Brown and everything last season. But hopefully James Forrest can just get that break um, and be, have more of a contribution for us because he's still a very good player on his day, John. But if we can move away from James Forrest now and talk about the first half in general, sum it up for me. What were your thoughts in the first half as Celtic toiled and we went in 0-0 at the break? I thought we didn't play well at all, really. I was, I was expecting us to, like, go all out for an early goal, like... I was expecting that the atmosphere would be big, but that didn't really happen. The crowd was subdued and the team was subdued as well. And I don't know if like, that had something to do with the, the very uh, moving and the tribute to Vim Janssen before the game when uh, Ange and Carl McGregor laid a wreath in the centre circle. And it was a sort of a sad moment, really. It wasn't that, I, th- I don't know, that, sh- that shouldn't have affected what happened, but maybe it affected the atmosphere because. That wasn't like a, a celebratory, like farewell to Vim. It was like a, a sad, like dignified tribute, which he deserves. And that may have played a part in the atmosphere being sort of subdued. But we really only created, I think, maybe... Th- well, okay, we had that early chance where Gigi had the ball played up to him and he, he sort of took his time and didn't get his shot off and goal. And then there was that... Uh, I think it was a bad a shot was saved by Sigrist. And O'Reilly had a couple of that that one that Forrest put in a plate for him, but all he had to do was put it in the empty net. I have no idea what he was doing. But Dungeon United, I have to say, I don't know if they're a good team, but they're difficult to break down. I mean, we we absolutely hammered them at Tanadice uh, back in December, but 
they were a completely different team yesterday, and they, they didn't even like hit back, sit, in the, sit back. They were like trying to score goals as well, to an extent. Ironically enough, they sort of sat back more when we were reduced to ten men. But I thought they actually played no bad, and Tam Coulson's been a, a decent manager. But enough about them. No, I was slightly disappointed with the lack of chances, and I think we were disjointed also because of the the team selection. And I think Ange realised he'd made a mistake, and he made two changes at half time. How much do you think, John, the combination of a depleted squad as well of how much we put in the Wednesday's game played an effect? I it might have. No disrespect to Dundee United, and as I say, I think they're a, a decent, a sort of a hard working team. That game was out of all our games that are coming up over this like spell. That's probably the one that everybody thought, oh, we'll win that relatively easy. And like we did, especially in the setting half, putting a big effort against Hearts when we're under the cosh. So that might have played a part. And of course, as you say, injuries, like being without uh, Rogic and Medea as well. Injuries are really bad for us, and we'll talk more about that later. But I mean, if we had the strongest team out, you'd imagine that we would be a lot more clinical. We'd play a lot better football. We'd be a lot more free flowing. So I think these things are are all coming together. But we're still like grinding out results. But first half yesterday was poor with a lack of chances. Moving on to the second half, and we did create more chances. I felt Benjamin Segrist was just inspired for Dundee United, wasn't he, John? It's Combination of us being frustrating to watch at times in the second half. Instead of doing the simple thing, we were trying to be overly ambitious and our final ball was just terrible up until the 90th minute, which we'll get into. But, John, see when it got to like the 70th minute or so, honestly, did you feel we were going to score? Because to me, it just felt like another Livingston game again. It felt like the Dundee United game back in September when it was one each, when Dundee United equalised. I remember turning around and saying, I think we're done here. This is going to stay like this. They're going to frustrate us and contain us. Because back then, I felt we were mentally weak. And I think I was right as well. Because of we seem to be in a position where if another team equalised against us or if another team went ahead, we didn't know how to react to it. We always had to score the first goal. It's not really the case anymore. Celtic seem to have turned it round in that respect. If you, you look at the cup final that we had against Hibs for one as well. But... Did you see his scoring when it got to like 70 minutes or so, John? Because personally, I honestly didn't see where a goal was coming from, especially when Gigi was just diabolical. I thought we'd more than a chance of scoring than we did that game against Livingston because that game against Livingston, we created practically nothing up until injury time when we had that penalty and then Gigi missed that then missed a great chance after it. So I was I was fairly confident. I mean, I, I knew we'd create chances and we had been creating chances. That one Gigi missed in the second half when uh, Jota put in a plate for him and he hit it against Segrist. I know people say it was a great save, but he really should have scored. And Gigi's another one as well where it's, the ball came to him in the, the edge of the penalty area and he sort of sclaffed it. I don't want to be that critical of him because he was, I thought he was absolutely excellent against Hearts. And I think he's going to have to start on the sun uh, Wednesday night. And I don't know, maybe he'll really shack it'll be a physical test. We'll just need to wait and see. But I, I just like I just I better say that the two substitutions at halftime that we talked about earlier for that was Jota for Forrest and Juranovic for Scales, and then later on uh, Ben Doak, who's only sixteen, a winger came on, and Greg Taylor came on as well. So and McCarthy of course came on after being his red card. So we, as usual, Andrew made use to the, fi- the five substitutions, and I think that's something he'll do as often as possible. He really uh, likes to do that. 
but no, I, I always thought we'd get a chance. But I mean, we better talk about this ending off now. But when we when we got to like 80, 85 minutes, I thought oh, we might have blown again. And really, I wouldn't have had any complaints because I thought the performance hadn't been great. I wouldn't have moaned and said, oh, I'd have obviously been annoyed that we'd blew a great chance, but you couldn't really have complained because the performance up until the last sort of five minutes wasn't what you would expect for a Celtic team. Before I talk about the sending off, I just want to say, Ange Postacoglu said yesterday that he thought our fans were fantastic. Uh, it would have been easy for us to get on the players back, but there was a willingness there to push the players on. He then goes on to say he can only imagine what it'll be like on Wednesday night. Now, I love the big man. I really do. As you know, John, and a lot of the listeners know, um, I'm Ange daft. But being at the game yesterday, I didn't feel that our fans were pushing the team on. Maybe it was certain areas in the main stand that Ange was, was hearing that you know they were getting behind the team and encouraging them. But certainly in my area, John, um, there was a lot of real negativity and... I mean, the amount of people getting on Ralston's back, for example, was unbelievable. Like, it wasn't just one or two. It was a whole section. Um, I'm not, again, trying to criticise uh, the Celtic fans because they were right to have a moan. Didn't think yesterday was a great performance at all. But I was a wee bit puzzled with Andrew's comments on that because certainly at the game it was a lot of moaning and groaning and I thought there would have been a lot of nervousness seeping into the team because of the way the crowd were. Maybe that was just me joining that my area. What was your area like? Were they quite... So, were they encouraging the team? It was mostly quite quiet up until after the sending off, and then that seemed to galvanise the place. I th- I think really, well, from my perspective, that was more of a, as time was tying on, it was more of an acceptance that was going to maybe drop points. No, no, not an anger, really. I'm no, not an angry guy. But I don't usually shout at games or anything. But I, I, was, I just thought, well, I've made a mess here, and... It'd been one thing if we'd missed loads and loads of chances, and really, when you think about it, we missed just like sort of two really good chances until we scored. So it wasn't even one of them where we're dominating constant pressure. And I thought that the, I thought that the team did. I was I was looking on the clock constantly, and I, I, like I remember when it got to like seventy minutes, the te- I thought the crowd were really behind the fans, and I can understand why I said that. I mean, I thought the last five minutes the atmosphere was fantastic after the goal and. At, like during the injury time, I thought that was really, really great atmosphere. I think that'll be what it'll be like before uh, the kickoff on Wednesday. And I, I can understand why I said that. I mean, the managers always say that sort of thing. You've got to take it with a pinch of salt. But I did think that after the goal, especially, and when we get reduced to 10 men, I thought the crowd did get behind the team. I can understand why I said it. But for me, it was more an acceptance that oh, we've, we've blown it here. We don't know if this team have got the minerals, as our beloved Lenny would say. He always talked about minerals and pizzazz and all that sort of thing. And if we hadn't have won yesterday, that would have, you could have said, oh, this team just hasn't got it. We've got a chance to put pressure on Rangers. We blew it against Livingston last year. We kind of blew it, blew it again. And I think that was maybe an acceptance that this team, even though they're a good team and they're improving, and we've always got loads of players out, are on an upward going on an upward curve but maybe no there yet but then we got that goal and it was great after that Before the goal John you touched on the sending off don't think there was a lot of people complaining when Neil Beaton was giving his marching orders for once even the referee wasn't criticised probably the right call what was your take on it? Aye it was and he'd, you've got to say he'd been coming because he could have been sent off against Hearts when he'd done that handball and he's got that in him 
Uh, I said it yesterday. It reminds me a bit of Granite Jacka, who's... I don't know if Neil Beans is good a player Granite Jacka. That's a very good shout, John. But he's a player that you need and is always useful. And they both sort of play in some oppositions, but they're, they're always liable to do something like a bit daft, like the qualifier at the start of the season when he gets sent off for slapping a guy or when we played Rangers last year to get sent off for a, a last man challenge when like that was that game where we we had to win or uh, they even keep in the title race when that one we dominated and probably still won and like he's been sent off I think maybe six times I think I saw some earlier that said he'd been sent off six times for Celtic and <laughs> and like we're going to we're going to miss him on Wednesday badly I mean that's what I'm talking about the Granite Jack I think because Arsenal only as good a team when Granite Jack is no playing for them and he's missed loads of big games due to suspension in a way it's a bit different because we've had that stupid scenario especially in Champions League qualifiers where Neer has to play the centre half which is isn't it good for him or the club? But no, there was no complaints yesterday. And uh, I know I've saw people blaming Greg Taylor because he made a mistake with gave Dungeon the ball. And I suppose you can, but it was a sort of a desperate challenge. And like the, his first booting was daft as well. And no, I know everybody complains about referees, but we can't end this occasion. And that's just a sort of player near Beaton, is it? I think. He'll always be that kind of player, but he'll still always be useful to Celtic. I'd imagine that when we go to first part next week and he's available for selection, he'll be back in the team. I think one of the saving graces yesterday, John, was that at least Charlie Mulgrew wasn't in the team when that free kick was yes, there. Yes, exactly. I mean, I was thinking when the free, when he was lining up to take the free kick, I was thinking if they get this year, that's it. It's finished. But it, it just went under the wall. It wasn't even a good free kick. And if Charlie Mulgrew had been playing... I wouldn't have been surprised if it's if I probably would have scored because that was right in his area. But no, thank goodness that old Charlie uh, wasn't available because that would have been a real concern. Also, what I say, what I noticed when Beaton went off, Beaton was going to give his armband to Joe Hart. Now, this is a tiny, minuscule moment, right? And I'm not saying that it's the reason we won, but it sums up Joe Hart and his personality and his character at the club. And I don't know if anyone saw this, but Beaton went to go and give Joe Hart the armband. Joe Hart was basically, you know, waving him away, saying, don't care, just give it to someone else. So JJ, I think, ended up getting it. So Beaton was going to go and give him it. Joe Hart was more concerned with shaping the wall and being focused on keeping that free kick out, which I think, John, at that point, says a lot about the big man and just how vital he is for us. Now, again, I know it's minuscule and people will be probably saying, I mean, that, that that's just basics, but what we've been crying out for is a big character in that team and a massive presence and goals and we've got that in Joe Hart and just wee things like that all add up to push on and get the winner yesterday ah, he's a huge player for us now especially when you consider that uh, McGregor's out and obviously Beaton's out now he's like and possibly the most experienced player in the team at the moment and I think he'll be captain midweek unless McGregor makes a miraculous recovery so no he's been uh, huge for us and I just don't know why he doesn't call himself Charles in fact, we'll touch on the second player in a wee second, who doesn't have the accurate first name. But Joe Hart's name is actually Charles Joseph Hart, but he calls himself Joe Hart. Uh, and the other one, John, do you want to do any honours here, as we were letting Lewis know as we walked back into the city centre yesterday? Yes, Henry Larson's real name is Edward Henry Larson. Fact fans. Incredible. So, Edward Henry Larson knew what it was like to score very important last-minute goals. And John... Leela Bada does too. What an amazing last few minutes. It was tremendous. It was one of the typical Celtic never say die last minute winners that 
you love and annoy everybody else, which is, of course, a good part of that. No, and it was a great goal as well. Jota, who I thought was excellent when he came on, he was the guy that laid the chance on a plate for Gigi that he missed. It was a brilliant cross right on to Abada. And he could have panicked, but he didn't. He, he took his time and he hammered it into the back of the net. He went mad celebrating as well. He took his shot off and ran with the fans. And everybody was delirious, and rightfully so, because it was such a huge goal, such a big moment in the title race. And Abada's been excellent for us. I know people sometimes moan because he's inconsistent, but he's only 20. I think that's his 11th goal of the season. He's a star. And he'll be a big player for us in Wednesday and the rest of the season. He's sometimes had to play up front, which I don't think is his ideal position, but he was in the right place at the right time. It was a, a true forwards finish, even if he wasn't a striker. And the fact that he was so composed and injury, well, just about injury time, was excellent. The best moment of the season so far was a great, great goal. Just two things on that. I thought his first touch was special. I thought to control the ball like that, John, at that moment in the game, was exceptional, man. It was a fantastic first touch. A lot of people probably won't give him the credit for that because they'll be talking about the finish, which was amazing, but it was the first touch that which made it. But also to beat Seagrest, who had just been a nightmare all day. And I mean, every time we're up against Dundee United, even if we do gub them like we did at Tanadice and like we did in the 3 0 game last season at Covid Ball, Seagrest kept the score down like when it could have been like 6 or 7, so he did. And of course, that 0 0 game when we blew the league at Tanadice officially. It was him that was essentially the reason that Rangers ended up winning it. But yeah, that was the two sort of stickouts for me. It was the first touch to just control it and then put it away on his right foot like that. And they put it past Seagrest at that stage in the game was really special. And it made me think, John, now I know we've already talked about similar last minute goals in a title race because we covered that when Ralston scored with the scenes up at Dingwall. Let me ask you, John, what was the biggest limbs Ralston up at Dingwall or yesterday at Celtic Park when Abada scored? Well, for me personally, it would be yesterday because I was there. But I mean, probably for the fans, it would have been Dingwall because that looked a real lost cause. I mean, we were only creating loads of chances and that just seemed like a goal wasn't going to come. Yesterday, I mean, I was fairly confident we would get the goal. No, I think probably Dingwall for the fans. But for me personally, it was yesterday because I was there. It was... Uh, a really great moment, and it's actually 12 goals he scored this season, no 11, in 36 games, so that's one goal every three games, which is great for a player that isn't a striker. It's mad, isn't it? And then you're saying to yourself, look at what Forrest has done for us, but there's no way Forrest can just walk into the team and take Abada's place. Abada's made that his own, and rightly so. And also, John, when I talk about like yesterday being just a crucial result, when you look at the other results so far this season... Three of the biggest results we've had so far this season. I'd say yesterday was one of them. Would you agree that Dingwall and Petodre were the other big results in this season so far? Uh, those two, and I would say Easter Road. I know that wasn't a last 10 minutes winner. We were freeing up in the first half, but that was a place where we've struggled badly in recent years. So yesterday, uh, Dingwall, Petodre and Easter Road are the four biggest wins of the season. And uh, Well, actually, yesterday was the biggest, if you think about it, because... It just makes a huge difference to uh, the upcoming fixtures and the fact that we won. And finally, John, psychologically, how big a boost is that for Celtic? Because if we didn't score yesterday going into Wednesday, do you think that would have been a nightmare? 
Or do you think that a lot of people who say if it was a draw yesterday, it would have been such a disaster or drama queens? I think I'm somewhat in the middle because the team's character would have been questioned yet again after Rangers dropped points. But still, if we were to go and beat them on Wednesday and get that, get the points difference down, then again, everybody would have probably just forgotten about the day and it would have been plenty of plaudits for Ange and the team if we go and beat Rangers on Wednesday. But where do you feel the psychological boost ranks in terms of importance with that goal? I think it was huge because of the timing more than anything. I mean, if we'd won 1-0 in the 60th minute, but when we scored the goal, I mean, it still would have been a big win, but it wouldn't have been the circumstances where we were reduced to 10 men and we scored in the 90th minute. That makes it even bigger. So, psychologically, as big. Well, I suppose we'll see how big on Wednesday, but no, as you said, I wouldn't have been like an absolute crisis if we hadn't won yesterday, but it would have been a real blow. I think it might have changed how both teams set up on Wednesday. If the gap was still four points, I don't know, maybe it won't. But no, the, the team would have been questioned, and rightfully so, because that would have been twice. We would have had a chance to put pressure on Rangers and we would have bottled it, but thankfully, Lee Labada was at the right place at the right time to get us the win. And as I said, on 67 Hail Hail yesterday, a lot like the 11-12 season, we spent... Most of the season playing catch-up with Rangers. Slowly, we started bringing the points total down. We were closing in on them. And now it's all in our hands, John, to go top of the league on Wednesday. Just like back then when Joe Ledley nodded in Charlie McGrew's corner, we went to the top of the league. We never looked back. If we win on Wednesday and we go top of the league, do you reckon Ange and the team will never look back? Or do you think there's going to be more twists and turns to come in this season? think uh, there's more twists and turns. I think it'll be uh, nip and tuck between now and the end of the season. I can't see either team just like getting a big lead. From what I can tell, they've not been scoring a lot of goals, but for your staying, they've not been playing well. I don't think we've really played that well either. We're just sort of winning games by our goal most of the time. I think it's going to be an old-fashioned title race where any points dropped is just like groan, etc. I, 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 I think obviously if we win on uh, Wednesday, it'll be massive for us. It'll be the first win against Rangers since December 2019. So that's like over two years ago. I think psychologically, as we've talked about, it'd be a huge boost for everybody. It'd be big for Ange, big for the players, especially when you consider who's not going to be available, likely. I mean, if we. If we lost, which hopefully we don't, I think there'd be doubts again. And I think the club would really, the fans especially, I think would really be down if we ended up five points behind. I mean, we could make that up. And there's still another two derbies after this. But I just think the, that wouldn't be good for anybody. And I mean, a draw just keeps things as they are. would be one game at a time. I think whatever happens, we'll, we kind of get too ahead of ourselves, if we, whatever the result we we'll just need to take it one game at a time because like after after Rangers we've got Easter Road and we've got Fur Park and Pataudry in the space of a week and they'll be and maybe none of them, they're not playing that well that season but they're difficult places to go usually so I think we just really need to take it one game at a time but obviously if we win on Saturday and Wednesday it'll be fantastic and a big statement but I think Andrew will be thinking I don't want to I don't want to look ahead and see how we're going to win the league, and I don't think he'd have that attitude anyway. So that's my long-winded view. 
All right, well, it is indeed the big one on Wednesday, and at GigPod, we're going to do our very best to get a preview out on Tuesday, and myself and John will be doing a review of the game. So that is it for episode 92. Of course, there's loads more to come this week, and I will update you on what's happening on the GigPod Instagram. John, you know about the GigPod Instagram, so why don't you mention it on your outro? Yes, the GigPod Instagram is uh, sensational, and Stevie does 60 second reviews of games there, and you can follow GigPod on Instagram at GigPod, and you know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms, etc., etc. Tell us how great we are, leave us five stars, and all that. And there hopefully will be a preview out before the game on Wednesday, and me and Stevie will be back after the game with a review of hopefully a, a sensational Celtic triumph. We'll speak to you all then. Thanks, to, thanks everybody for listening and hail, hail. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.